Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Y'all got to sleep in. You had caffeine. I'm going to ask you again, how you doing today? Good to see y'all. If I haven't met you, my name is Ricky. I lead the middle schoolers, the high schoolers here. Pastor James will be back next week. So if you're new and you don't like me, come back next week. The real guy will be here. Um, Right now, he's at um, our, what time is it? 11 o'clock, 11.15. He's probably at our Conway campus. So he spoke at Greater Little Rock, and then he went to West Little Rock. And now he's speaking at Conway all in one morning, just back to back to back in three different buildings. And um, if you are new here, we are a big church. And so there's 17 campuses. He's speaking at three of those campuses this morning. I love that man with everything that I am and his family. Are you thankful for our pastors, Pastor James and Pastor Cody? If you didn't clap, we have cameras and he's gonna go back and look. And so he's gonna single you out. Literally on Tuesday when James, he sent me the topic for today. I literally laughed out loud because the Lord has a really sick sense of humor sometimes. I heard it said that if you speak from your strengths, you'll probably run out of content pretty quickly. But if you speak from your weaknesses, you could probably talk for a really long time. So today I'm talking about bitterness. Everyone say bitterness. So we're in the Rooted series. Today we're talking about the root of bitterness. And last week and today we're gonna talk about how the fruit in your life comes from the roots in your life. Our main text is in Hebrews chapter 12. If you have your Bibles with you, your Bible apps, it'll also be on the screen. It says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root. No bitter root. It grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So bitterness is that anger, that hurt, that resentment, that the cuss word, the frustration towards someone or something from being treated unfairly. And if you've lived long enough, you probably have experienced this in your life. Before we go any further, let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that you were the word who was made flesh that dwelt among us. I thank you that your word is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness that is sharper than any sword. It judges our thoughts against the truth of your word. It is life and health to us. And you say, when your word goes forth, it's not return void. And so we pray that in Jesus' name today, amen. So about 10 years ago, a decade ago, which I feel old even just saying that because it feels like the story was just yesterday, but it was New Year's Eve. About 10 years ago, I was driving home completely sober. Let's just to get that out of the way, I was completely sober, and, uh, but I had a red cup in my car, a red Solo cup. I'm sure none of you have ever drank out of one before, but we were, I was driving home, and if you're familiar with Graham and Kerr, where they come to an intersection, does anyone know where that's at? The Graham and Kerr intersection. There was a checkpoint right there for all the naughty people. And so I'm in a line of about eight or 10 cars at this checkpoint on New Year's Eve. And what are they checking for? They're checking for alcohol, you know, et cetera, all the crazy people. And so um, I'm like eight or ninth or 10th in this line. And there was a car in front of me. And of course, you know, some more cars in front of them. And the cops were going from each car and they were like leapfrogging each other from car to car. So I'm a few cars behind thinking you're an idiot for having this red cup on New Year's Eve right here 
And I was like, well, I'm going to dump it out. And I was like, no, because then I look guilty because it was just sprites. It was just Sprite and ice. Like, I knew it was okay. It was full. Um, the guy in front of me apparently did not have Sprite and ice, or he had ice and Sprite and something else because he dumped it out of his driver's side window. I'm like, this guy's an idiot. It's right next to his car with him a line moves up. And I'm like, sweet Lord. I had to pull up. The cops were waving me up. And I'm like, I know what he just dumped out of his car. And as soon as I pulled up to it, I could smell it. Like, I had my window down, I could smell it. And I was like, this is not happening to me. So the cop, he got to my car, and he's, like, looking at the puddle on the ground. He's like, sir, I'm like, my cup's full. My cup's full. It's ice. I, like, hand it to him. I said, you can smell it. The car in front of me, as this is being processed in my mind, what's happening, he smelled my cup. He said, okay. There's no alcohol here. And, y'all, I snitched so fast. This is the fastest I've snitched my entire life. So the car in front of me, he poured it out. He did this. He did that. He's like, well, I'm going to run your license. And I'm like, be sure you put junior and don't put senior because you get a whole different database if you put senior. So love my dad. But you got to put junior on there. But as he's running my ID, I'm kind of getting bitter. Like, this dude in front of me had no consideration about who was behind him. I'm an innocent guy on New Year's Eve, and I'm about to get arrested or something. I don't know. I've never been arrested in my life, allegedly. And so um, <laughs> a little frustrated that night going to bed, and then I woke up the next morning. I was like, okay, it didn't really happen. You're okay. Funny story, but sometimes when we're bitter in our life, it doesn't just last a day. It doesn't just last a week or a month or a year or a decade. It can last for a long time. That's not the Lord's heart for us. What I want to say about bitterness to start is that you and I cannot afford the cost of bitterness in our life. We can't afford that cost. I do want to say a disclaimer before we get into the meat of the message. I am aware that there is legit real hurt in this room. There is real pain in this room. I'm not minimizing that. I'm not trying to kick that to the side. I'm saying that I've learned that bitterness in my heart, if it gets settled, can create a bitter root. And because of that, I can have that fruit in my life. Deuteronomy 29 says it this way. It says, beware lest there be any among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. And so if you're a halfway decent parent, we try to be right. We try to teach our kids that it's not about what happens in your life, but it's about how you respond. It's about how you act. It's about what you do after that thing happens. Offense is going to happen. Hurt and pain are going to happen in our life, but being offended and being bitter is a personal choice. A bitter root is why Cain killed Abel. It's why the brothers of Joseph hated him. It's why the Pharisees hated Jesus. There was a root of bitterness. And bitterness will erode what God is trying to do in your life. Slowly but surely, it will erode what God's trying to do in your life. And so if we're gonna grow spiritually this year, not just as a church, but if individually we're gonna grow, we have to get rid of bitterness, and I know very firsthand it's not easy. But by the grace of God, it is possible. So how do we address this in our life? Number one is we have to look for the bitter fruit in my life. I have to look for the bitter fruit in my life. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. When we let the root of bitterness grow underneath the surface, under the soil in our life, it's eventually going to have fruit on the exterior where everyone can see. And Paul, he shows us this progression that it goes from bitterness to wrath to anger. 
from things that are happening under the surface to things that happen above the surface. How many of y'all, just by a show of hands, you've drove through a paper mill town before, like Pine Bluff area or somewhere else? Does it smell good or bad? Pretty bad, right? It's like, but I've actually asked people that live there, can you smell it anymore? And almost all of them will say, no, I've got used to it, I don't smell it. I'm like, ma'am or sir, you are crazy. Your town smells terrible. They get adjusted to their perspective of the smell, and it's not really reality, but it's reality for them. And I think we do that with bitterness, that it's been there for so long, we don't smell it anymore. We don't notice it. We're not aware. We've adjusted our perspective to say it's just reality. Why Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. So here's ways to look for some bitter fruit in our lives. Number one is you need to ask yourself, how are my words? How are my words? Luke chapter six, this is Jesus speaking. It says, a good man, he brings good out of the good in his heart. An evil man brings up evil things that are in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus says the words of your mouth are like a thermometer for your heart. The way that I would say is that gossip and slander, negative words, there are immediate vacation from you having to deal with you. You talking about someone else is a quick way out of you having to consider who you are. What I found myself running my mouth about someone or something, whether it's been recent or in the past, it's, always, it's almost always from pride, insecurity, or bitterness. So for you, are you snappy? Are you rude? Do you say what you say and you feel how you feel? Maybe when someone comes up in conversation or even in your mind, you just have negative thoughts that keep coming to the forefront over and over and over. The principle we have to get is that Jesus says that your mouth speaks what your heart is full of. So what are your spoken and unspoken words saying about your heart? Everyone say people. Everyone say people. I'm a youth pastor, so I'm expecting people to interrupt me as I'm talking, so you gotta talk back to me. So how are the people around me? So you have my words, but how are the people around me? I went on a backpacking trip about eight or nine years ago. I'd never been like to a place where you have to carry everything that you're gonna eat and drink and wear and all that on your back. It was intimidating to me. We hiked about six or seven miles. It was me and three guys. They were experienced. This guy was not. I was a city boy. Um, so we're in the middle of the Ozark National Forest. It got down to 28 degrees that night. I had no sleeping bag. I just had quilts that were handmade in Mexico by whoever, but it was freezing cold. And so we're at this place. I'm in a tent. These guys are in hammocks. I've slept in a tent before, but nothing like this where like I'm in charge of me. Like my parents aren't around, like I'm grown. And all of a sudden it's like two or three o'clock. I'm shivering almost like literally like I'm, I'm like crying as a man, crying to God, please knock me out. I'm so cold. And then to make things worse, I hear a wolf howl. And I'm like, this is not Discovery Channel. That's real. And it's like right there. And then I heard another one and another one. And I'm like, this is the end. Like, do wolves prefer guys in hammocks or do wolves prefer guys in tents? I don't know. But either way, like I start, start freaking out. And I've heard it said, and I learned that night that wolves travel in packs. Bitterness is the same way. When you have bitterness, it's not contained to just you. There's people around you that it's a poisonous root. We say that misery loves company. I would also say that bitterness loves company. So if you look around yourself and say, I'm not that bitter, but the people around me are. Ma'am or sir, odds are that you're bitter. 
The thing about bitterness a lot of the time is the people around you are more aware of it than you are. Just like that paper mill town. That's why you need friends that will call you out on the spot. That don't deal with your nonsense, that don't partner with your excuses or your sin or your rebellion or your bitterness, but they call you out and they have permission to do that and you not get offended. I've learned that we tend to make excuses for the dysfunctions that we like to keep in our life. We try to justify dysfunctions that we have and excuse them. And our friends, if we keep them around, they can do the same thing if they're not healthy friends. So if your words are bitter, people around you are bitter, there's a high chance that you are bitter. I want to pause again and acknowledge there is hurt in this room. I'm right there with you. There is real pain in this room from things that happen that are real. I'm not minimizing that, but I do want to say that your past is a place of reference, not a place of residence. That we can look back to our past. We can learn some things from our past. We can reference them, but if we live there, that is not God's plan for our life. And so instead of just remembering the past hurt and the past pain and the past emotions, the situation, the real things, the real pain, we also need to remember what God has done for us. Everyone say, remember what God has done. So we gotta address the fruit in our lives, but then we gotta get into a place of reflection. In this next verse, if I'm honest with you, if you would've read this verse to me about six months ago, eight months ago, you and I would be right here at the altar and we're laying hands, baby. We're laying hands old school style because this, this verse is offensive to me but it's God's word. Ephesians chapter four, again, one verse later says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This verse is saying, hey, remember how much you've been forgiven of. Remember how you were BC before Christ and how we can still be in our relationships now. And I know that we don't wanna talk about our problems when we're focused on someone else's, but God's forgiveness in our life should be a pretty good ripple effect on how we forgive other people in our life. And I'll just, I'll be honest and say, I'm an expert at slow forgiveness. It's a mistake that I've made way too many times in my life. And maybe you're like me. What I've learned about mistakes is that if we don't learn from our mistakes, the devil does. He's gonna keep you in cycles. So you have to learn from your bitterness. You have to learn from your sin. You have to learn from your pain because if you don't learn, the enemy is and he wants to keep you in a cycle of it. But the good news is, is we have the Holy Spirit, church. And if we partner with him and shift our perspective off of that person, off of that scenario and onto God, it can change everything. In Exodus 15, the Israelites, they're a chapter before the walking out of Egypt through the Red Sea, in chapter 15, they're in the wilderness. And it says this, when they came to the oasis of Mara, it says the water was too bitter to drink, so they called the place bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. By every pool of bitterness in our life, the Lord has given us a piece of wood and it is called the, Christ, it is called the cross of Calvary. To take care of every bitter relationship, memory, 
situation or circumstance. The cross is paid for. We have to identify our bitterness, shift our perspective to God. Number three is to set them free. To set them free, excuse me. Colossians chapter three. I don't know about y'all, but when I grew up, you got allowance for doing the right thing, right? Like if you did your chores, you had good grades, you did the laundry, you did whatever mom or dad or whoever's in the house told you to do, that's how you got your allowance. This verse says, make allowance for each other's faults. It's saying to make room for people's mistakes and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. It's a tough verse because there's been, gosh, y'all, there's been moments in my life where bitterness was all that I was drinking. Divorce hurts on so many levels as a boy and as a man. A lot of you in this room, you know what that feels like. Bitterness can be real. And so I say, God, why do I got to talk about bitterness? Why can't Pastor James be here today? It's his job. I pastor the high school students. I literally prayed or I thought in my mind, I said, Lord, why me? And he said, I've watched you the last 18 months walk through this season of your life. And I said, that's exactly why I should be disqualified. And he said, no, no, no. Son, that's why I chose you. Because you know what it's like to hold on to bitterness and you know what it's like to let it go. In church, I didn't know that bitterness could lead to better until I handed it over and realized I was not God of the bitterness. I couldn't just hold on to it. And so many times, so many nights, so many mornings, I was rehearsing the bitterness and I was rehearsing the hurt and I missed how often God was trying to heal me instead. Forgiveness is when you let go of your need for a different past. To forgive someone is to set a prisoner and free and realize you were the one that was being held captive. What I had to reconcile with myself is, could it be that you are miserable because of your sin of unforgiveness? It's not the other person. It's not what happened. Yes, it hurt, but you're still miserable because you have not forgiven that person or the group of people. God did not bring us into 2023 to do 2022 all over again, and certainly not 2020 all over again. Is it possible that the greatest hurt in your life, God wants to use it to show his faithfulness? Is it possible the greatest hurt comes your greatest testimony? We're all experienced in hurt and pain and bitterness. I love what Pastor James says. I mean, this has hopefully been my mantra in this past 18 months of my life is you're gentle with the person and you're violent with the spirit. You're gentle as you can be, but when it comes to prayer, you are vicious. You are violent. You are aggressive. There are many men in this room, you are aggressive in life and you're weak in prayer. There are many parents in this room, you don't pray for your kids. We have to be violent in the spirit. And so how did I walk through bitterness the last 18 months. It's crazy how the timing of God works that I talk on bitterness as we head into a week as a church that helped me get out of bitterness, a week of worship, prayer, and fasting. 
So I'm going to teach just for a moment. Every human, every created is created in three parts. If my interns and real life leaders weren't going to embarrass me, I would ask them to answer out loud what three parts are we created in. Can y'all say them out loud? Where are y'all at? Say them out loud. We're in church. Come on. Body, soul, spirit. Thank y'all. Okay, so that was a little embarrassing, but more for y'all than me. Uh, So body, soul, and spirit. Our body has natural cravings, desires, appetites for food, for drink. It can feel hot and cold. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. This is going to make sense or this is important. Our mind, our will, our emotions. It's our memories. It's how we feel about certain things or certain people. And then we have our spirit. Our spirit is created to lead our soul and created to lead our body. Why is this important? I think that as believers, we address the wrong things in the wrong parts of us way too often. So an example is I have hurt in my soul, so in my body, I drink alcohol excessively. I'm lonely in my soul, so in my body, I look at pornography. I'm angry in my soul, so I work out to release the anger temporarily. And even for our soul, I think there are so many times, and look, I have a counselor, I love my counselor, but there are so many times we try to counsel things that God's asking us to cast out in the spirit and not in the soul. Prayer and fasting has a unique way of adjusting the three parts of us to partner with the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in our life. Out of all the things, church, that Jesus could have did for 40 days in the wilderness, what did he do? He fasted to say to his body and his soul, you're not going to lead me. American culture is our soul and our body lead everything. Jesus said, your body and your soul are not meant to lead you. Yes, they're real. Yes, we need to entertain them and engage with them at times, but they're not the leader Jesus in the wilderness said, there's something more powerful than just your urges. Yes, I feel my urges. Yes, I feel my appetites, but I'm not always going to follow them. For 28 or 29 years, I had never fasted, never even really heard of it. I've always been a skitty kid, but don't get it wrong. I love to eat. I can put down some pizza and some wings. But fasting is a spiritual discipline that the Big C Church rarely talks about. In the New Testament, serving is mentioned 62 times, prayer 53 times, fasting 50. Right there with serving and praying. And so this week, we have an opportunity to pause something. The very bold, direct question that I've had to ask myself, I want to ask you, when is the last time that you told your body or your soul, no? No, I'm not going to have that extra drink. No, I'm not going to look at that thing. No, I'm not going to engage this emotion, even though it's real. I'm going to engage my spirit. When we fast, we exchange feeding our body and our soul to feed our spirit. There was one time I was fasting, and uh, I was skipping breakfast and lunch, and I was just doing dinner. And so as a youth pastor, we have pizza almost every week, and I love pizza. But when you're fasting, it's not always the best thing. But when you're hungry, it's really good. And so I ate pizza for three nights in a row. Can I get an amen, real life leaders? (laughs) Each day I ate, the next morning I woke up more hungry. It was like the food, it filled me in the moment, but it was just a temporary satisfaction. It was like the food determined how empty I was going to be the next day. My four-year-old son, his name is Kai. He is the most handsome kid to ever walk the planet, but he's a handful sometimes. He loves to lick his lips. I love chapstick. I literally own about 25 
things of chapstick right now. Don't ask me why. Just pray for me. So he likes to lick his lips, and because he does that, there are chapped all the time. It's not that we're terrible parents. He's just way better at licking his lips than we are parenting. And so one day I asked, I said, Kai, why, are, why do you always lick your lips? His little sweet voice, he said, he said, Daddy, he said, I lick them because it makes them feel better. <laughs> I was like, that's a, that's a pretty fair point for a four-year-old. And I was like trying to laud, trying to reason with a four-year-old that, the more you lick your lips, the more chapped they're gonna be in the future. I think so many times we feed our body and our soul so much that we're spiritually chapped in the future, in the long run. So fasting is acknowledging, yes, that I'm hungry in my body for blank. I'm aware that I'm hungry, but instead I'm going to exchange it to feed myself spiritually. And so I met with Pastor James this week because this is what was in my spirit. And I love when our spirits have unity because he said, hey, I want you to say this. And I said, well, I was already gonna say it, so I'm glad we're partnering. If this is your home church, this is a bold request. It's a bold challenge. If this is your home church, we are asking every single person to fast this week. We're not saying go home and just do water for seven days unless it's how the Holy Spirit is leading you. God bless you. Uh, I'm not doing that. So what does that look like to fast a food item so that's our first challenge to our church. It could be a category of food. Maybe it's sugar. Maybe it's caffeine. I heard someone say coffee in first service. That is not from the Lord. The Lord would never tell you to fast coffee. It could be a certain meal like breakfast or it could be dinner. It could be fast food. It could be just liquids. It could be a Daniel fast. What I'm asking you to do is to pray today, get with the Holy Spirit, and then you start in the morning. This is for every person for every family, and that's not it. Also, I don't have a clever way to say this next one, but I called it a time spender. Boom, there it goes, time spender. So for me, it's a game on my phone. I realized last week I play 52 minutes a day on this, just being transparent. I was like, sweet Lord, that's six or seven hours a week that I could, I don't know, do something more productive. Maybe for you, it's social media. Maybe it's Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, YouTube. Whatever it is that you know is just an empty way to spend time, it's not always bad. We're just asking you to pause that this week. In exchange of feeding that, you feed yourself spiritually with worship or the word or prayer. There's a lot of looks at me like you're crazy. Yeah, I know, you don't gotta tell me. But also, it's not always easy to, to fast. It's not always easy, but it's always powerful. If we wanna be like Jesus, we have to do what he did. If you don't wanna be like Jesus, maybe not. Maybe you don't have to fast. I did not mean to say that, step on toes, that came out wrong, I'm sorry. When you pause something, in the lack of something, you have the opportunity to process who God really is and who you are in him and what his will is for you in your life. And that's what Jesus did in the wilderness. And if I could pastor just for a moment, a lot of people in their life, they don't wanna pause because they don't wanna see who they are when they slow down. I've heard it said this way, that the enemy is in a me. The enemy is in me. Yes, there's a real enemy out there, but sometimes I'm the enemy. Could it be that the pace of life that you're running at church is so constant, it's so frenetic, so you don't have to stop and look at yourself in the mirror? 
to contemplate your convictions, to realize that you're not enough and that is okay in the kingdom of God. What I'm learning is that if there's noise on the surface of my life, there's usually a disturbance underneath. Some people live a really loud life to drown out who they really are. When you pause, ironically, in the English language, it's called a fast. But you're creating space that God has the freedom to feel any way that he sees fit, and he knows you. He knows what you need. When you fast, you don't know what it's going to change, but I can promise you it always changes something. It has changed me in the last year. Because it may go unseen in the physical, but it never goes unfelt in the spiritual. And so it's a pause in one realm in the physical to advance something in the spiritual. We could probably all agree, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, that it's really hard to fill a cup that's already full. And I've said this before, but I've heard a lot of people also say this, well, God doesn't speak to me. I don't hear him. He's not answering my prayers. But I think in all reality is that we miss God way too much because we're overfeeding our soul and our body and we are quite literally starving our spirit. As a church, there is a spirit of religion that tells you that you could eat once a week on Sunday morning and be full the rest of the week in your spirit and that is a lie from the pit of hell. So this week and this year, you have the choice to change that. Starting with worship night tonight, each of the next handful of days, Monday through Friday, we're gonna meet right here in the morning. You get details on that. We're gonna have encounters with the Lord. And again, we are asking everyone that calls New Life Church your home, we're asking you to fast something. We're not gonna tell you what it is. The Holy Spirit will though. If you're in this building around midnight, as I'm closing, especially out, if you're outside around midnight, you can hear the train from all the way across town. You can hear when it's coming. You can hear when it's at like it's full speed, it's full steam, and you can hear when it's going. Why is that? There are no other opposing sounds conflicting against the sound of the train. And that's a great picture of what the Lord wants to do in your life this week, is to drown out the opposing sounds so you could hear the voice of the Lord. There are two things I want you to guard yourself against as you fast, and I've learned these the hard way. Guard against your emotions. Your emotions get loud when you fast. And so if you know your tendency is to be angry or to be sad or to be lonely, go ahead and start praying, Holy Spirit, help me in these areas because they can get loud. Number two is to guard against deception. Everyone say deception. The enemy's going to try to promise you something this week that does not fulfill you. It might taste good, it might look good, it might appear to be good, but it is fleeting. It is like that pizza three nights in a row. It could be a temptation. It could be a person. Come on, someone. It could be an empty promise. What I want our church to do is to choose the weapons of worship and prayer and fasting. For so long in my life and for so many of you, you have fought the right devil the wrong way. You have fought the right spirit the wrong way. And you need to worship and you need to pray and you need to fast. Y'all, it's hard to get rid of bitterness on your own. I'll tell you first and foremost. It's hard to get rid of anger and frustration. The word says we can't get rid of our own sin. Maybe it's this for you. 
or it's this, or it's this. If this is anything like first service, some things are about to break in Jesus' name. You can't get rid of that thing that's giving you bitter roots on your own. You need help from the Lord. Can I get an amen, church? Let's close our eyes. Let's pray together. Right there in your seat, right now, ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Because I hear what you're saying to the church. What are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, have the whole room. We submit ourselves to you, Lord. Even as you walked in and you heard the topic of bitterness, that person, that situation, that relationship's already on your mind. I don't have to go down through a list. Today is the day you let go. You don't have to leave the way that you came. As I was praying last night, you just picture this in your mind. So Holy Spirit, what are you wanting to do in this room tomorrow? And he showed me a field that I couldn't see the end of and it was just plant after plant after plant. And some of these plants were untouched and some of these plants had leaves that were missing as if someone tried to uproot it by themselves. And I said, Lord, what are you saying? And he said, I'm gonna grab it from the root today, but they have to hand it over. And he gave me a list of things where bitterness is at in our church. And I rebuke these things in the name of Jesus. He said that there are marriages that are still together in this room and you're wrestling with bitterness. He said there are grown men in this room and you are wrestling with bitterness from decades and decades ago from your father. He said there are people in this room that represent a marriage that did not work out and you are bitter. He said, there are dozens and dozens of people in this room, you are bitter against yourself from choices that you've made. Felt like the Lord whispered in worship this service, there are people in this room and you're bitter against your parents. Something they did or didn't do, they said or didn't say. There's even people in this room, you're bitter against the Lord. Y'all have been there. If any of those are you, or maybe there's something completely different, but you know it's made you bitter. There's a bitter root in your heart. Please, no eyes looking around. If that's you, could you raise your hand? I wanna pray for you. Before we get into salvation, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of hands across this room. You're not alone. Holy Spirit, our hands being raised are a sign of surrender saying, have your way. I'm not carrying this anymore. This is not mine anymore. So whether it was a parent or a spouse or an ex-spouse or a kid or a boss or a coworker or the Lord or yourself, today is the day that you let go. Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can take out the root from the very bottom and not just pick out the fruit and pick out the leaves. You take the whole thing, so do it now in the name of Jesus. May the spirit and root of, of bitterness be canceled now in the name of Jesus. Every negative assignment be canceled now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill those holes where bitterness was with peace and love and joy. And God, give your people a sound mind in Jesus' name.
and for salvation. If you're here and you have never made Jesus Lord and Savior and you feel something moving in your heart, that is not last night's dinner, that is the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you have before and you know that you've been Lord of your life, you've been calling your own shots and you know that you need to rededicate your life right now. I'm not gonna point you out or ask you to come down front today, but if that's you right there and you know you need to give your heart to Jesus right now, would you raise your hand? I wanna pray for you. And I'm not gonna rush this moment. I see you right here. I got you back there to my right, to my right, I got you. Say, I need Jesus in my heart right now. I need someone to save me from my sin. If you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't, but this is the position in your heart, you have to say a prayer. Romans 10, nine says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Say, Jesus, I need you. I know I'm messed up. I know I'm not perfect, but I know a man who is and it's you. I know you died on the cross for my sin and you didn't stay dead, which means that you defeated my sin, you defeated hell and you defeated the grave. And so I ask you to come into my heart to be my Lord, to be my savior to be my best friend. Lord God, we thank you for your presence. At times it's convicting, at times it's sweet, at times it's powerful, but it's always good. Holy Spirit, as we move into worship these next few moments, as we move into response, have your way. In Jesus' name, the church said amen this morning.